Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're always on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And, of course, you can watch us. We're on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And we all know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you hear all the time how important it is to get screened, particularly us women. And our guest today is doubling down to get you to get out and get your girls taken care of. Joining us is our favorite celebrity chef out of Oxford, Miss Elizabeth Heskell. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, hon. How are you? Like so many times, I'm sitting there drinking my coffee watching the Today Show on NBC, and up pops your beautiful face, and I get so excited until this last time you were decked out in pink, and I thought, (laughs) oh, look at her, and then you went on to share a very personal story about the last couple of months of your life. And my heart broke for you, but then also was so inspired by how you've been able to find the silver lining in, uh, you know, in, in, in a hard path. So, yeah. So, I mean, what's life been like for the last couple of months, Elizabeth? It's been a little rough. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, um, I think, well, there are lots of things that go along with this, but Part of it was that it just, I was so blindsided. You know, this was not on my radar. I, I don't have it in my family. Um, you know, I was in great shape. I had, you know, going to my 5.30 yoga class, feeling good. I'd lost a bunch of weight. You know, life was, it was, it was amazing. And, I mean, it still is amazing. But um, it just really caught me off guard. It's almost, you know, it's traumatic. Honestly, it is, a you know, when you're told something like this and, and you have absolutely no, you know, no warning, you, you go through kind of all of those stages of trauma, you know, almost like you've been hit by a bus. Honestly, it's kind of what I felt like. Well, Elizabeth, but, I read where you were in a sports bar there in Oxford watching as the world watched Ole Miss Rebels win the national championship yeah. in baseball and so, explain how that changed everything for you. So, so I was actually at St. Leo's, which is my favorite restaurant in the entire world here in Oxford. And um, we, I had a big group, and we had this long table. All my friends were there, and we were watching the game. My husband had gone. We were pretty much the last people left in Oxford, honestly, because everybody else had left and gone to Omaha. And, um, and so I just, I literally just went to scratch my chest and felt this lump, this big lump. And like I said, I had lost some weight. So you know how the girls do, they kind of shrink down a little bit. And um, and so it was so much more uh, evident. Um, and and I thought, you know, oh, it's just a fatty tumor. 
Like, this is nothing. Has to be. Um, because I honestly thought that I had had a mammogram eight months before. And when I went to see my um, my OB, Julie Harper, I, I said, Julie, I said, I'm, it has to just be something, you know, weird because I know I had a mammogram eight months ago. So she said, well, let me go pull that. Let's look at that. So she left and she came back in and she had this really pretty worried look on her face. And she said, Elizabeth, she said, it is not eight months, honey. It was two years ago. And I would have sworn on my life. I mean, and that's the thing that's so terrifying is that I would not have gone to have another one, you know, for probably a a year, you know, I mean, and so I guess if if anybody hears anything, I think we kind of since COVID and I hate to blame any and everything on COVID, but I do think our sense of time has kind of messed up. It's almost like there was sort of like this black hole, you know, this big void, and, and so, you know, even if you think you just had it, go ahead and check anyway. You know, call your doctor, see when the last time you had one was, just to double check. Just do it for me is all I'm asking. Because you just never know, really. And I think there's so many women, particularly, we go in for our different screenings and uh, checkups that we're supposed to every year. And, man, one year goes by and you could forget and then it's two. And then, you know, so many things can be hiding. In the, and the problem with that is if it's caught in time, you know, the success rate is much higher. And so that's the that's the urgency to get you out and get you taken care of. So, Elizabeth, you had to sit in the chair, though, and hear the words that so many listening to good things have heard before or have heard a family member um, hear before. What was it like for you when you got delivered the news? Oh, my God. Well, I, you know, again, I was just so in denial about this whole thing. And my friends, you know, I could tell every time I saw them, they looked real worried while I was waiting on the biopsy to come back and um, I think there were some side texts going on. Uh, I did find out later that the, my, my OB, Julie, she said when she felt it, she knew that it was cancer. And the radiologist admitted that he also knew that it was. And the um, surgeon that did the biopsy, Walker Byers, he said the same thing. He said, I would have bet my house on it. So everybody else kind of realized what was going on. I was sort of the last one to know. I was headed to Memphis. I was, um, we're working with Gold Belly to get our Smith Lake cake, coconut glop cake, my grandmother's mocha cake, um, with, uh, with that company so that you'll be able to buy them from all over the United States, which will be wonderful. So I was on my way to Memphis to meet with Gold Belly and I was, I had a cake in the car and my daughter, my husband said, why don't you take Mayor Paxton with you? And I said, yeah, I mean, that's fine. He said, well, you could get the call, you know. And I said, it's going to be fine, but okay, I'll take her with me. So Mayor Paxton, my middle child, was with me. And uh, sure enough, we got a call from Walker Byers, and I saw his name pop up on my phone. And, you know, he said, Elizabeth, I, I hate to make this call. And my heart just sunk. And he said, you have invasive ductal carcinoma. And I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And and I think everyone kind of says that, that has heard those words, you know, in, in one way or the other. It's, as I mean, literally, like you feel like you've been hit by a bus. You can't think. You can't. I, you just, it's, ugh, it's, it's horrific. And, you know, that, that honestly, that, that took me, I swear, about two months for it just to even settle in. You know, that, that, and there's still days that, uh, you know, I forget and have to kind of remember, um, 
What know, was your next it, step, though, Elizabeth? I mean, obviously, you had one of your, your middle daughter there with you on your trip. You probably weren't driving or had someone else with you. I mean, oh, no, what I happened? Oh, you were driving. <laughs> That's a, I hope I you driving. pulled over. <laughs> we turned around. We did. I was like, oh, my God, what do we do? What do we do? Like, something was on fire, you know. Shamari's like, we need to go home. We need to go home. I was like, I know, but if we go home, then your dad and Lucia are going to know something. My youngest child is going to go on know something's wrong because we just left, you know, and and anyway, so we got home, and uh, my husband was there, and he, when we walked in the door, he knew. And, you know, I just, it, it was so hard for me to get those words out because you know that when you say them, you know, you're, you're breaking your, your children's hearts. You're, you're putting fear in their minds. Um, you know, and that's the last thing as a parent that we want to do is burden our children, you know, with fear. We're, we're there to, to try to take all of that away. And, um, you know, we didn't know what, what was going on. I didn't even really know what kind of cancer, what kind of breast cancer I had. I mean, you know, there were all of these things. And um, so a lot of unknowns, and that's also the very hard part, is that I think once you kind of get a plan, once you know what you're doing, you can deal with it. You know, the unknown is when your brain just loves to take over and, uh, you know, and just go in so many it. different directions. You talked oh, openly God, yes. too yes, about it creates all these horrific scenarios. You right. know. And then, and then you don't know until you until you walk through it. So there's no reason to just assume because you never know what your outcome necessarily could be. But you talked openly too about your village that came up in 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 their own unique ways to sort of support you. Whether it looked differently from your families to friends who just knew what Elizabeth may needed in that time. Share some of that because those of us who have loved ones walking through this, you know, there's those small acts of kindness really mattered to you. And I want you to realize that one of the things is I think we all get nudges um, from God at times to, to do a little something, you know, and it may just be, hey, you know, you've got extra of that. Why don't you run it over to so, you know, it's just a soft voice in the back of your head. Um, but when you hear that voice or when you have an inclination or you feel like, you know what, I really need to do this, there's a reason. Yes, you need to do it, you know, and it doesn't have to be anything major. I mean, literally, I mean, I can't tell you some of the sweetest things that that people have done have been have been the smallest things. You know, it was it was like one of my friends who I said on the show, um, they sent me a nightlight because I had been talking about how the nights were so hard. And, you know, at that point when I didn't know what was going on and there were so many unanswered questions, I would just be up in the middle of the night just in literal terror. And um, and so they sent me a nightlight. It was this funny little owl nightlight. We pressed the button and his eyes glowed. You know, I mean, it just little things like that. Like um, my one of my best friends, um, his uh, precious son, well, they have three children, but the, the littlest, who's just five, his name's Wyatt. And so they drive by my house every morning for school, on the way to school and on the way back. And so um, David would tell him, you know, let's pray for Miss Elizabeth as they drove by. And, um, and so then they started honking the horn. So every morning... At seven ten, depending, sometimes they're a little late. Seven, you know, fifteen. I hear the honk outside, and um, sometimes I'll run out and wave, and you know, and it's just well, Elizabeth, you know, I'm gonna honk at you and make you hang on for just a second, okay? <laughs> we got more with Elizabeth coming up next. Honk for her if you're out there driving, listening to good things. Hang tight.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Back to good things. I hope if you were driving, you took a little toot toot for Elizabeth Haskell as she <laughs> continued our conversation. I realized after I said that, Elizabeth, I was like, <laughs> you know, you see those honk for Jesus signs and people do it. So hopefully, <laughs> be, <laughs> hopefully we we had a lot of toot toots on the way, oh, you know, across uh, across the waves here uh, you know, for Super Talking for for you and your journey. But I love that. What I love is that your neighbors found a way, even as young as he was, just to let you know that you were on their minds as you were walking a journey. They just had no other way to help, right? Like you're the one that had to go through that. I know um, your treatment, you decided to go for, you chose the route of chemo. Tell us what it was like the morning of your first round of chemo. So good God. It was a, it was just a nightmare. I had, well, I had turned it into a nightmare and I had been so nervous and I was just a wreck by the time we got there. And my husband was just as nervous and, and just as much a wreck. And, um, you know, so we got there, and of course, you know, typical me, like, I, I didn't know what to bring, but I wanted to be prepared, so honey, I packed a suitcase like I was going, you know, on a Caribbean cruise or something. So in there, I had my blanket, and I had a pillow, and I had uh, my cold cap, which is, um, it's a, it's a, what I wear on my head during treatment, and it freezes my head. It literally freezes your hair follicles. So I've been able to maintain my hair. Um, I've lost some, but, but still if you just looked at me you wouldn't know um so it had the cold cap i mean it just had snacks i mean like i was going to antarctica or something anyway so we roll in with our suitcase and i'm sure everybody in the whole place was going oh my god well this is obviously her first time here and um and you know i had built this up to be such a terrifying experience in my head i mean i had my imagination is is pretty amazing and usually i use it for good but i'd really let it go um into a really scary direction and so the thing that was so interesting is that everything that happened to me that day um whether it was when they accessed my port which is where they were going to be putting the chemo in yeah it was like oh that wasn't so bad you know and then i would go and do you know they they would start one of the drugs and i was like oh well, that wasn't so bad. Um, everything that they did that day, which is a long day, it was about seven hours, um, I, I said to myself, that, well, that, that wasn't so bad. You know, the, the cold cap was supposed to be absolutely brutal. And, yes, it was uncomfortable, but it was certainly doable. And, you know, I had built that thing into just horrific. And, you know, and when I left, I texted my girls. I have three girls who are just absolutely wonderful. And, I said, you know what? I said, we are just, we're not going to let fear drive our bus. Do you understand? I said, girls, the same energy, the same thought process, the same imagination um, that makes fear and that makes these horrible, terrifying scenarios that just shake the shark or that's the same exact thought process, same brain, same everything that we can use to dream, that we can use to visualize, you know, us being somewhere wonderful or, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it, and I just said, we're not going to do that anymore. So, you know, if, if you start fearing, you're just going to have to switch it off and, and turn to something that, that is wonderful. And, um, you know, and so that, that was, that was really a very sort of life changing kind of thing for me. I mean, 
And I think it's really interesting because, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. Uh, I believe in, um, you know, all of these wonderful principles. I meditate and I go to yoga. But, you know, did I really practice it every day? Did I really practice it so far deep down that it just gets you in the gut? Probably not. You know, not all the time. Um, but, But things have really changed since this diagnosis. So even in this mess, um, you know, you can find really beautiful silver linings. And and that's where I'm trying to stay is in that silver lining area. Um, you know, because the thing that's so amazing is that if you focus on silver linings, and it may be something as small as, you know, the warm robes they give you when you go for your checkup, you know, that the at the hospital they give you these nice warm robes and lovely. And, you know, you, you almost feel like you're at a spa for a few minutes until they take that, Take your boob and machine, <laughs> and you you real quickly remember you are not at a spa. But you know maybe it's just that, or or maybe it's the fact that you know you have enough gas in your car to get you to your chemo treatment. Maybe it's that the chemo treatments are working. Maybe it's that you know you have medication that uh, you know that helps with the with the symptoms. Whatever it is, there is. I mean, if you're just looking for them, and then the thing that's so interesting is that. The more you look for silver linings, the more silver linings will come your way. The more you focus on those, then the silver lining, is it's no longer a lining. It is the actual fabric, and all that negative mess is just the lining. And how um, often do all of us, Elizabeth, walk through the day and just, you know, overlook our own silver linings and whatever mess we're going through? Maybe we're not walking a cancer journey, but we may be the supporter or the spouse of someone who is, or our mess looks a little bit different. I know you yeah. found your way, too, back to the kitchen, which is kind of your holy ground. Where I mean, go, y- going through a divorce, any of these things, yeah. there's so many traumas and so much pain that, that we do have to endure in this life, and, and it, it, it does get messy, and you choose how you're going to handle it. And, um, you know, and, and I choose to look for silver linings. And kitchens get messy. Have you gotten your kitchen messy since, you know, oh gotten in there? And yeah, You know, it, it's funny because my doctor, oh, Lord, I mean, I'm, I'm telling on myself. But so I went in, and then I guess maybe my second visit, my second time I came in, he didn't tell me what my weight was, and I certainly didn't ask. But he said, um, you know, one of the biggest side effects of, of chemo is weight gain. And I said, excuse me? And he said, yes. He said, because what people do is, I, he said, I call it squirrel eating, where you, you on the two weeks that you feel really good, because mine's every three weeks, so on the two weeks that you feel really good, you overeat to overcompensate for the week that you may not be feeling good. And he said, usually people don't feel that bad. So they still are eating that, you know, that chemo week. So you end up like, you know, trying to squirrel away all of this food. And, and of course, you know how much I love food. It is my life. And it is what I use to comfort myself. Um, and so, I mean, it has been, uh, you know, a bit of a battle because, you know, I just want... I think I you deserve candy. all the cake you want, though. I think you I give know. yourself a little bit of grace <laughs> during this period, um, Elizabeth. And I think, too, your friends could, could grab one of your cookbooks, you know, What Do I Bring, and, and bring you one of your own recipes. I think that might be a good a good place to start as well. But, you know, where are you if you don't, like, in your journey? You mentioned you're still in your treatments. I know you just started this this summer. And, you know, people who want to be praying or thinking about you, where are you right now on your in your journey with, with breast cancer? Yes, please. Prayers of Thanksgiving, because the first thing that children are already 
Prayers of Thanksgiving of all kind, for sure. We definitely want to keep Elizabeth and her family. But then all of those that are walking through this journey of breast cancer or any form of cancer, you know, they say that cancer is the one person who's actually, um, you know, living with the disease. But then you have everyone else around them who is also supporting them through their efforts, through their uh, treatment. And also they're trying to figure out and sort of mull through whatever the next steps or what the future may look like. But what I take most from Elizabeth's uh, journey and her story is the idea of finding those silver linings, which we can all do every day. And I think, too, the the young boy who decided to honk uh, for her, I think, is something we can all do. Elizabeth, for every woman out there with a set of boobs, I guess men, too, we leave them out of this during uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Give us your best go of going and getting them bad boys checked out. I'm telling you, just do yourself a favor. Go make an appointment right now. And there's no reason you've got to put yourself first. You have got to put yourself first on this. Otherwise, um, you know, you're, if you don't take care of yourself in at least this, then, um, you know, it, it can end up in a much more serious situation than it has to be. So please take a minute, put yourself first today, and make your appointment. I'm begging you. Well, we appreciate the minute you gave us here on Good Things to Share Your Story. I'm so inspired. Well, you'll have to get back with us when you get your cakes on the gold belly so we can all t- have a taste of what Elizabeth yeah. does best, which is cook Absolutely. up yummy food. Yeah. We will let you know because, baby, we are we are dreaming big over here now. So, um, all right, honey, I love talking to you always. Y'all take care, and I can't thank you enough for your prayers and your support. I'm grateful, deeply, deeply grateful. Toot, toot. Toot toot. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, girl. Uh, Again, I think that was some of the best. And I think, too, whenever, you know, we try to shield our kids from maybe what's going on in the grown-up world. But oftentimes, if you welcome them into praying for, you know, their grandparent, their aunt, their, you know, the person down the street, or ask them, what would you like to do for Miss Elizabeth or whomever it may be? It could be drawing them a picture of encouragement. It could be baking them their own cookies or the simple honk. You just never know what that act of kindness will mean to someone as well. So what great inspirations, prayers for not only Elizabeth, but all of you who are walking through that cancer journey, whatever that looks like right now. But we're going to shift gears and turn to a younger little artist uh, who's making waves there at USM coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Get you 
can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com to watch us there. But tonight, they're going to watch the big game for Southern Miss. A large crowd is going to be headed to the Rock and making their way down the Eagle Walk, where they can catch Hattiesburg's 35th mural that's just been released. And joining us to share a little bit more is the artist herself, Miss Aubrey Sparkman. Hey, Aubrey. Hey. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to talk to you because this is my alma mater, which I'm not even sure if you were born whenever I graduated from Southern Miss. How old are you, Aubrey? I'm 17. Oh, close. Yeah, really close. Uh, close. <laughs> 2007, 2009 uh, would be when I when I walked across the stage there at Southern Miss. But uh, but let's get to your mural. So how did this opportunity for you to be the artist for the 35th mural in Hattiesburg come about? Well, uh, I follow HAPA on Instagram, and they sent out an application for anybody to fill out and to come up with a design. Um, and so I submitted a design for it, and they ended up choosing it. So <laughs> so when you were going through the uh, process to submit the design, Aubrey, what were you thinking? Did you already have, and if they're looking over at supertalk.fm, uh, we have it up on the screen there for folks to see the completed mural. What what jumped out at you? What what in your mind did you think just needed to be there? Oh, well, they said they wanted something that represented the athletics department and also USM. Um, and I thought, you know, football, but... You can't have football without the band, um, and so I really wanted to incorporate that in there. Um, so what yeah. age, if you're 17, Aubrey, what age did you start painting? <sighs> um, you know, I've just it's kind of been something I've done my entire life, uh, drawing and painting and just making things in general. Um, so I can't really say <laughs> a certain age. It's just something I've grown up with. So when you submitted to do the the mural there in Hattiesburg on the campus of Southern Miss, had you ever completed a project of this detail, of this size before? No. <laughs> this was my very first, so it was it was so exciting but um, very stressful at the same time. <laughs> so who called or how did you um, who called or how did you know that you got the opportunity you were sele- your design was selected? Um, Kristen Brock, she works for HAPA. She has my number. Um, she's the lady I contacted for one of the utility box projects that I also did with HAPA. Um, and she called me and she was like, hey, Aubrey, we have some great news. You got it. <laughs> That's awesome. And HAPA is Hattiesburg Alliance for Public Art, which Hattiesburg has yes. embraced, obviously, having murals and local artists of all kinds um, to pop up around the city. Again, this is number 35. So so it's something that Hattiesburg takes pride in. So next you had to jump into painting it. So how did you go about actually painting it? Did it and how long did it take you? Well, <laughs> they gave me a deadline for October 14th and I was not allowed to start um until like I mean eight days before the deadline so it took me eight days (laughs) to do it I worked about like six and a half hours every day um until I got it done (laughs) well it's absolutely stunning are there any other fun facts about the mural do you know how many gallons of paint it took you a lot (laughs) um let's see probably Six plus the uh, coating, so probably about eight gallons of paint, I think. 
That's um, a lot of pain. And, yeah, it's a lot of pain. And um, so I chose the number on the football player. I chose uh, his number, the number 10, uh, because uh, USM was founded in 1910, and I thought that would be, you know, it shouldn't just be any number. It should be have some meaning behind it. Well, I love that. That's a that's a cool thing now that folks can, when they walk by, they can see that and sort of make that connection. What was it like, Aubrey, when it was all finished to step back and be like, I did that? A relief. <laughs> um, I could finally breathe. Um, and it was just, I was suddenly all sinking in. Like, as I was doing it, I was just trying to get it done. Um, and then once I finished it, I was like, wow. I just painted a 10 by 30 foot wall <laughs> um, in eight days. And yeah, it's just, it's been such a great opportunity to get to do that. All right. So you are 17, Aubrey. What's next for you? Are you still in high school? Have you graduated? Are you graduating this year? Um, I'm still in high school. I will graduate in 2024, I think. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, if there's, I'm taking up any opportunities that come my way, um, just kind of see how it goes. Do you have something um, lined up now? Like, a, do you have another big project in the works that you can share with us, or is it mum's the word? Um, not at the moment. I do have my own projects that I work at at home, but nothing public or anything. <laughs> so are you going to go ahead and declare that you're going to Southern Miss when you graduate? I mean, it would be cool to write, walk by your own mural every day you may be the only college student in the state that could say that (laughs) it's definitely on my list i love southern miss and i would love to go there but it is definitely one of the schools on my list well, I think you the you know sky the the sky is the limit for you and your artistic ability. I think of all the artists we've had here on Good Things. One that comes to mind is this wonderful young lady, and I can't remember her name, but she travels the country painting these extraordinary murals, even you know much bigger. But you, it's a start. And I thought, man, what a cool job that that would be. So you never know, Aubrey, where you know your gifts and talents may take you. If that's something that you would dream and desire and wish to do um i honestly yeah that sounds like a dream um but i guess we'll just see where life takes me (laughs) see where life takes you well it we it should take us to the eagle walk right it's on the northern end of the eagle walk as people are going into uh the stadium they have an opportunity to see it uh there and um congratulations aubrey i think it's super cool Thank you so much. All righty. Well, you stick with us. You let us know if you get another big, you know, opportunity. You break the news here, okay? Yes, ma'am, I will. <laughs> All righty, girl. What were you doing? Yeah. What were you doing at 17? I wasn't painting that well. I couldn't even draw. I still am not the best drawer. I can color in between the lines. I think I can do a little, what do they call it, number Number art, number paint, whatever it may be. Paint by number. Paint by number. I might could figure that part out. But to think that she had the process or even just the courage in the um, to draw it all out and sort of submit it, I think is, uh, is pretty cool at 17 years old to, and still have the composure, you know, to get it done and not flake out. You know, that generation or the younger generations, they can get a really bad rap from here from a time or there, which I can understand. But um, but there's still a lot of Mississippi men. They're out there and they're doing some really cool things. You know, that made me think of, too, 
here on uh, Good Things. A couple years ago, you remember talking to, I think his name is Stanley Q, and he created a nonprofit called Keep Your, I just had lost it. Yeah, it's uh Keep Your Hair, I believe is Keep the name of the company. With His the name of the caps. company with the cold caps. So if you were listening to Elizabeth's story about wearing the cold cap during her chemotherapy uh, during her fight with breast cancer, it is a device. He did not design the device. No, he just, uh, if, if memory serves, it, he kind of got into it and learned more about it after his own mother Mother. was Mm -hmm. diagnosed in 2014 now you're really remembering the details i'm very proud of you rhino but i remember yeah he (laughs) he his mother was diagnosed and he started researching ways to help her and he found the the cold caps that help you keep your hair during the treatments and they're quite i'm sure as technology gets better and more get available we know how all that sort of works in terms of things and devices and technology they may get more affordable but for right now they are still pretty, you know, pricey in terms of not the everyday uh, chemotherapy patient is going to be able to afford one. And it's not something you want to share. So, you know, if it's if it's your own head. And so anyway, he created this nonprofit, which raises funds to be able to purchase those for women going through that. And her mentioning it and utilizing the technology reminded me Ah, he was a senior at the time. I'm sure he's older now. <laughs> I don't think he's still a senior at St. Andrews, um, but he was at the time. And so, you know, everything just comes full circle. And how cool is it to watch our teens think through and be innovative, whether it's through coming up with nonprofits to help with cold caps or it's coming up with ways to share their gifts and talents in terms of art there on the sidewalk. So if you're headed out to the big game tonight, which I hear is everyone's wanting everyone to get out and sort of support it. If you well, I mean, can. they did cancel classes. So. Right. Correct. So as a stu- as a former student, I'd have been like, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I don't know what time kickoff is. I'm sure it's later on tonight, or the boys at Sports Talk will probably let you know that as well. Um, but get out and make sure you go see the see the mural and take your pictures. And 6.30. Do all the things. Do all the things. Yay! To the top. Stick with us. We're going to be at the top of good things coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. But baby, you hardly even notice when I try to show you song is meant to keep you doing what you're supposed to. Don't forget, you can watch Good Things. We are on your computer or your mobile device, but we are also on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. We're also on C Spire TV on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel. If you've been over to the Good Things Facebook group, you'll see that I shared about an Ocean Springs native and MSU wide receiver, Austin Williams. He has been named a finalist for the Academic Heisman. You know his parents are proud of that. He is among 15 finalists in the country announced today for the William 
V. Campbell Trophy. The award is the biggest of its kind in college football, and it's given to a player for excellence in the classroom and on the football field. So kudos to him. Even if he doesn't walk away with the trophy, I think it speaks volumes of him just to even be able to, um, you know, be be nominated for that. You know, earlier this week we were talking to the Mississippi Aquarium. Don't forget if you're in that down that way, they've got their boo at the MSAQ. If I can say that right, I always want to say boo at the zoo. <laughs> That's not right. But you know, they'll have their pumpkin carving that will be in the live tanks, and then you can watch all the little critters eat the pumpkins. Well, I came across a um, headline that talked about gator alligators chomp pumpkins at Florida theme park. And I thought, well, it's a very Florida thing. It's a very Florida thing. And it would be a very fascinating thing to watch. I do not recommend anyone try this at home. Or if you've got a local gator in a waterway near you, they tell you do not feed them. But you can imagine how fun it might be. But the way they do it is they don't just leave it out. They're having fun with them. Imagine throwing the little fish into the dolphin's mouth or whatever it is, and they jump up and they catch it with great vigor. This is what these alligators are doing. And they're not large pumpkins. They're, they're I mean, they're, they're, I guess they're a decent size. They're not the biggest pumpkin you can find. But they're tossing them to the gators, right? And they're like, Arr! and then the, the pumpkin, as you can imag- imagine, whoosh, and then it's like, see, look what I can do. Whoosh. And then you wonder... I guess if they keep doing it, apparently they may enjoy the pumpkin mashing. I don't know. But you wonder if they're like a little bit disappointed by it all, right? Because well, the hardest part, the one of the worst parts, depending on your personality, of carving a pumpkin is getting the inside out. It's not the right texture for everybody. It's definitely not anything you want to necessarily eat. You may remove the seeds. We talked about that. But you're going to eat the actual pumpkin, not the inside of the pumpkin. So for a gator, though, it's just, oh, you wonder if they get I'm mad just, about it. I'm trying to think of it from the gator's point of view, because it, is there anything rotund and orange that they would normally hunt that they're thinking, ooh, a treat, and it actually wound up being a pumpkin? I don't know. But in their videos, I can and I can share it in the Good Things Facebook group, they're getting down with it. And then you wonder then, are we just taking out our frustrations on these pumpkins with all of these humans that are just casually standing around ooing and eyeing at us? Is this some form of, you know, therapeutic cleanse that they're <laughs> that they are doing? The my my mind just, you know, goes in all different in different perspectives. On the ceasefire text line, Andy and Jackson ask, How does the gator sound again? <laughs> my husband's not a big fan of the gator so i can't do the chomp chomp too much right because uh it may be misconstrued of of who i'm supporting but no i mean it's interesting to sort of watch and i just want to know who there at the zoo said hey let's toss this in there and see what happens Or was it some happy accident? Like, was somebody, I don't know, wearing roller skates, carrying a pumpkin through the zoo, and they fell? And they, oh, they chunked the pumpkin off into the gator tank, and it grabbed it and chomped it, and they could do that again. Because you say, I mean, what gator in what natural environment just stumbles upon a pumpkin patch? And it's like, hey, guys, look what I found. Pumpkins. (laughs) 
you know, Mr. McGregor would have been really outnumbered if he'd have walked out into his garden and there was gators getting his pumpkins versus versus Peter Rabbit. You think he did still chase him? Mr. Gregor was a pretty mean man. Yeah. He was just trying to protect his food, though. Do you think Peter Rabbit would have put the gators up to it? Hey, you go first. You run Mr. McGregor out of here. You have all the pumpkins. I'm taking the carrots, the beets, all the other things that, you, you know, obviously alligators wouldn't like or enjoy. Yes, I have small children. We read these stories all the time. There. Yeah, it took me a couple of seconds. Like, wait a second. That name sounds familiar, but it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Mr. McGregor is on the repeat there at our house. We're Peter Rabbit friends. But I don't know if Mr. McGregor ever had pumpkins in his garden. I don't know. He has scarecrow, which means he obviously was trying to scare away something. They had something they could eat in there. I hope I didn't scare you away because you got plenty more coming up next with the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.